Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in and riding along today as we head into whatever unfolds. Um, It has been another busy week, of course. I'm not going to make excuses about why there are not more episodes being posted. We are just going to move along. How about that? You can always find us online at pathdesign.com and on YouTube. Um, I've been gathering up some new equipment and kind of tinkering around um, with a new camera. And hopefully soon we'll be sitting down to record some some, uh, videos, uh, teaching series using um, YouTube videos. And so stay tuned for that. You can always go to our YouTube channel. And uh, I believe just the other day, um, our very first episode back from January of 2019 just posted on YouTube. My wife had set up that YouTube was grabbing old um, episodes back, I mean, for the whole first year where the podcast wasn't even named. Um, basically I would just turn a recorder on and start talking and all of those are now available on YouTube to listen at your discretion Um, all the way back to the very first episode now the very first one that I did is very interesting because man it it was such a great launching point and the the theme of the episode was the follow-me call and what Yeshua Jesus meant when he said, follow me. I love to keep going back to that principle and explain to anyone who has ears to hear the, the cost involved when we say, yes, I will follow you. Um, you hear me talk with regularity about, for the most part, my upbringing in just normal church, Christianity, was very void of anyone telling me of the cost. Um, And if that word cost was mentioned, nobody really explained to me appropriately what that even meant. Nobody really told me I would continue to struggle, that I would continue to fall, that I would continue to have uh, my flesh man uh, just (laughs) rage against me. And so because of that, I was very ill-prepared for what was before me, um, ill-equipped and uneducated towards the, the requirements, if you will, of, of walking in the path of Yeshua, like walking in His ways as, as, the, as the suffering servant God-man who denied Himself 24-7 for every waking moment of his entire life. Everything had been presented to me as, well, because Jesus did all of these things for you, then, then man, you're good. You're good. You're, you're saved now. Just rest in the finished work of the cross and hold on till the rapture or death and heaven. Beulah land. And so, man, it continues to be one of my life 
my life endeavors to explain the follow me call, the demand upon our lives to walk as the son, to walk as he walked. Now today I want to just talk for a couple minutes um, about Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 6. We know that the word of the Lord is coming to the prophet to the prophet Ezekiel. Um, man, if you're like me and you love imagery and fantasy uh, <laughs> fantasy esque um, depictions of different things, man, the book of Ezekiel is awesome. Ezekiel saw and experienced some incredible things. Right, the whole fiery wheel within the wheel and the faces and like all these things that are so incredible and have so many layers of understanding buried within them. But Ezekiel the man and Ezekiel the book is just very fascinating. And one thing that's always coming as a consistent theme in the book of Ezekiel is is constant warning. Constant. Constant calls of warning of caution, of rebuke from the Lord. And in 14 verse 6 specifically, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet and speaks to the people of Israel and says, Hear, O Israel, repent! Exclamation point. Repent, people! Turn yourselves away from your idols. Turn your faces away from your disgusting practices. Now, depending on what version you read, uh, many versions say, turn your faces away from your abominations. Now, the thing is, we have to be mindful of our culture, of, of how we today understand words and their meanings, and really just rightfully ask the question, do we even understand what the text is saying? according to what the original text is saying. And so the version that I used today was actually the CJB version of this verse. Because to me, the disgusting practices really drives home the vantage point of the Father about this matter. I think it would do all of us well, instead of having a word such as abominations in our head when we read this and not really know, again, because of culture, because of our present-day understanding, I'm not really sure that word lands where it should to hold the weight that it was intended to be spoken by Yahweh God to His people. And so to use it in terms that I think is very good for us today, the secondary part of this verse is turn your faces away from your disgusting practices. Do we see the practices of our life as disgusting? The practices in the sense of lawlessness, mixing, idolatry, Anything in our life that, that would deem us displeasing in the sight of the Lord? Do we see them as disgusting? Or do we see them 
as tolerable, acceptable, well, we're sorry, or we're just plain ignorant. I think that's the thing that, that we have to probably acknowledge the most in this age, this church age, is you know what? We're just ignorant. By, by the definition in the truest sense, we're just ignorant. We don't know what we're doing. We're in denial. We're in the dark. Most things that made their way all the way into 1st, 2nd, 3rd century church on this side of Yeshua, man, we don't know any of that stuff for the most part. We've been told all of those things are done away with that really brings to the forefront idolatry in our hearts because this is about our heart. Yahweh God has always been about pursuing the hearts of men, revealing the hearts of men. It's not that God was somehow in the Old Testament all about just empty, hollow, mere foreshadow ritual. He was always about the heart. He was always about getting into the hearts of men. That's why Ezekiel to stay along the text where we already are. That's why Ezekiel talks about the heart exchange. He talks about the heart of stone being removed and a heart of flesh being put in its place. God has always been, is now presently, and will always be about the heart. Inward. That's how when Yeshua came and taught everything that he did, he wasn't interested in undoing all of the outside things, surely not all the keeping of God's law. He was saying, look, this is about your heart just like it has always been. <laughs> it's always been about the hearts of men. Because in the heart is the residence, if you will, of why we do what we do specifically to this verse, why we would deliberately or, or completely unknown, why we would keep idolatry in our hearts. A lot of this text, when you start looking into the, the word origins, is talking about mixing. Man, we, we know, don't we? Even if we've casually studied the Bible in our lifetime. We know that God hates mixing. He can't stand it. That's a lot of the pattern that we see in the Bible, even in marriages or when you go into a land and you adopt their practices or when you go into a land and you see their wives are desirable and you want them for your own. And, and Yahweh was always saying, don't be mixed. Don't be mixed. Now, we could dumb this down to present day real easily. I mean, this wouldn't take just a couple seconds. Trunk or treat is fixing to happen. Fall festivals at all the churches. And let's just be honest. They look just like the world, except maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe you won't allow zombies at the event. Everything else, ah, it's fine. Dress up as a princess dress up as a wizard, 
dress up, of course, as a Bible character. We'll do all the same things, but probably, again, maybe you're not allowed to be a, a demon, <laughs> right? And even then, you probably could anymore. It's okay. It's okay. None of this really matters. And friends, here's the, here's the caution that we have to get to, that we have to have in our own lives. What things are we just not presently aware of, negligent of, that's just just got no place, that we're mixed? We have to be honest. I mean, mixing is in every single one of us. Mixing is in, in every one of us in some measure, whether great or small. We're mixed. We have idols. And all I'm saying is, can we not safely get to a place where we are constantly reviewing our own lives, presenting ourselves to the Lord in absolute open-armed conditions. Open, wide open. God, get out the floodlight of the Holy Spirit and look in me. Look in here. Show me. Mixing. Idolatry. And what? Let's be real strong, right? Show me, oh God any disgusting practices in me because a lot of times and again let, let's just make this clear this is Yahweh God speaking okay <laughs> Yahweh God himself calls these things disgusting practices it's not whether or not you think it is it's not whether or not I think it is. Let, let's, let's just, let's drive this car for a moment of thought, please. Let's drive this for a moment. Because one of the things when you start looking into this text, a disgusting practice when this was written, when this was penned, when Yahweh God spoke this to the prophet Ezekiel, one thing that this was talking about was unclean animals unclean animals now the people of the day would have understood that man don't eat that don't eat it for example we know this is true if you've been if you ever read your bible you know that one of the things that was detestable on the side of yahweh god as far as food goes was an animal that was not food in any way there's not really clean food and unclean food there's food and there's animals never meant for food i mean <laughs> this is this even in itself is really uh, uh an explanation shift of what is food and what is not a brother shared that with me several weeks ago in that exact verbiage and i'm like wait i've never thought of it like that there's not clean food and unclean food there's food and everything else that is not meant for food. Let's simplify. And so one of the things in this text specifically that would have been considered a disgusting practice was the eating of unclean animals. Everybody knows that pork was off limits entirely because Yahweh God said, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Now here I can already, I can feel all my Christian brothers and sisters cringing. And, and that right there should shine a light on something. Because this is such a 
a tainted topic of discussion and oh boy don't you dare talk about that don't you know the vision peter had which is so easily cast away that is <laughs> my nine-year-old can understand that the vision that peter had had nothing to do with food it had to do with human beings a topical reading by a casual observer could understand that that was never intended in any way to say you can now eat whatever you want. That's so strange to me. But I myself, for 45 years, hmm, yep, that's what that means. Why? Because that's what I've always been told. And my elementary understanding towards it, and never asking the question, permitted me freedom to eat what I wanted. And so this specifically, one of the things it talks about is a disgusting practice of eating unclean animals. And here's just the question, because it has to be addressed, right? Someone has to at least talk about it. What if there are things in your life, let, let me pose it like this. Do you think there are things in your life presently that are disgusting practices in the sight of the Lord? yet you do not yet know of them? I want you to ask yourself that question. Is there anything in your life presently that you are completely oblivious to? You have no idea is a disgusting practice in God's sight. If you are a true man of humility, you absolutely unequivocally have to answer that question of course of course there are things presently in my life that Yahweh God would look upon and say disgusting practice we have to be honest we have to be open constantly I don't care whether we're in kindergarten or an accelerated um, master's course there are things in our life that have not yet been addressed that are mixing, that is idolatry, that are in fact disgusting practices. Maybe not by us, maybe we wouldn't call it that. But in the eyes of the Lord, disgusting. Got to go. And so this is my challenge to you today, friend, and to anyone else that this comes up towards. Starting here with myself. God, show me. Show me idolatry in my heart. Show me idolatry in there that I don't yet see. I want to turn away from my idols. I know they're in there. I know there are things vying for top spot in my life, but oh man, I want you, I want you, oh king of all kings, to reign in my heart, to be seated preeminent, Upon the throne of my heart, my innermost place, with you enthroned upon it. No other thing fighting for that top spot. Reveal idols in me. And, oh God, help me. Reveal to me the disgusting practices that are now in my life. Abominations. 
I want so badly to be in right standing with you, pleasing in your sight. I don't want anything in between you and I. I want to be found as an obedient son so bad. I'm saying, God, show me things I do not yet even know are disgusting practices. I will study. I will read. I will ask questions. I will understand the New Testament properly through the lens of the writers who were not eating unclean animals. They weren't. <laughs> they didn't. Why, God? Ask, I'll ask hard questions. I'll ask hard questions that may make me be found having idols, that may deem me one who's after you, one who's seeking you, one who knows you. Ugh. Maybe I have some disgusting practices, some abominations in my life. Why do so many Christians find that surprising? Why does the church seem to be so surprised when something comes to her? Oh my gosh, I'm living with an idol. Oh my goodness, there are disgusting practices in my life. Friends, we should not be surprised by this. If we are truly men on a journey of sanctification, this should be this should be normal. This should be normal for the Christ man. I dare say if this is not normal for you, are you really in the path of Messiah? Are you not being sanctified? Are you not being moved from glory to glory to glory as you examine yourself and present yourself to the perfect holy God? He says, be holy as I am holy. Friends, and I want to just I want to get in there and mess up your Christian doctrine real big today. How do you do that? Well, I'm in the blood of the sun, Joel. I've been made new. I've been perfected. I can't do anything. It's all about my identity in the Messiah. Well, yes and. Yes, but what now? Yes, of course. But now, again, as we talked about in the Yom Kippur priestly study, go listen to that if you've not. It's a three-part series. It's on the website and on YouTube. For 90 minutes, we talked about how we have to understand the priesthood functions to be a priest now. Holy, consecrated, set apart, distinct, clean, 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 clean. Daily, hourly, moment by moment, I will be a royal priesthood. And a royal priesthood's got to wash his hands, metaphorically speaking. He gets dirty. He gets dirty, friend. We get dirty. We are guilty of having disgusting practices and idolatry. If that surprises you, friend, would you ask the Father why? Would you ask the Lord why that offends you? Are you above it? Are you above a disgusting practice? I hope you know that you're not. I hope we understand that. We are not above being men of impure motives, idols, and mixing. I feel so free when I remember that. When I walk in that awareness, 
that the blood of Yeshua Messiah has cleansed me from all unrighteousness and he's moved me from darkness to light. I'm now in the kingdom, born again, born of the water, born of the spirit. I'm now in the kingdom. I can now pray in confidence and in boldness. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But guess what? I get dirty. That was the crux of that three-part series. We get dirty. We've got to be washed. We've got to be cleansed. We were cleansed, and we get dirty, and we need cleansed some more, and more, and more, and more. <laughs> That's the principle that Christianity seems to have missed. I gave the cup analogy, and I'm going to bring this to a close in case you did not listen to that, that teaching that I did on the priestly functions. When Yeshua condemned the, the leaders of his age who were adding to Torah, they were adding to the law, as I always like to make clear, their intentions at the outset were great. They wanted to create a boundary for God's law. They wanted to help men establish a boundary of safety so that you don't even get close to breaking the laws of God. But in that endeavor, as with anything else, it went awry and next thing you know, their laws were the law. They still kept the law of Moses. They were still set apart, consecrated men. But they were dirty. They were defiled. They allowed their own way, their own law, their own addition to become equal to God's law. And therefore, Yeshua Jesus came and condemned that. He condemned that. He didn't condemn the law of the Father. He didn't condemn the perfect laws of Yahweh God that were established as a covenant forever. Come on now. We're not in first grade here, are we? He said, I didn't come to abolish that. Are you joking? I'm tearing down all these man-made laws. Which he, in fact, did pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well, if you ask me. And so in that endeavor... He came and what did he do? He called the leaders out and called them whitewashed tombs. He told them specifically in one instance about the imagery of the cup. On how the outside, man, your cup looks shiny. It's clean. It's white. It's brilliant. But on the inside, man, your cup's all dirty. It's nasty. Why don't you take a look in there is what I talked about in the, in the Yom Kippur study. And friends, that, that to me is the proper understanding of us walking out our salvation. We who endure to the end will be saved. We will be rescued, delivered, when we endure to the end. The culmination of our life in Jesus, in Yeshua Messiah, is not to simply be saved and make a decision for Him. Our salvation comes in the enduring and the walking out from the point, from the origination, if you will, of being regenerated and becoming a Christ man. It's merely the beginning. It's the starting gate of the life of walking out what? Becoming holy as he is holy in the pattern of the sun. And so in the imagery of the cup, again, if you didn't hear it the first time around in that study, that is how I see my salvation, my very life. The blood of Yeshua, the Son, cleansed me. Every molecule of that cup, man, clean, purchased, redeemed, 
But now I get dirty. I have disgusting practices that remain, that, that want to find their place in my now identity. Idolatry. And in my process of sanctification as I yield to the will of the Son, losing my life for His sake and therefore finding it as the Holy Spirit excuse me, reveals these things in my life, I address them. And I look in the cup as Holy Spirit reveals issues of my heart that, that are in me that He is now empowering me to find victory over. We wash out the cup. We wash out the cup. I present myself to my Savior and say, help me, clean me up. Clean me up. This stuff has remained. Get it out of here. You, Holy Spirit, have now empowered me to run this out, to be clean, to remain clean. I'm going to clean it again because I'm going to get dirty again. Why in the world is that such a weird concept for just normal Christianity? Well, man, you're lessening the cross. You're lowering the blood of the sun. No, I'm not. I'm exalting it to its proper purpose, cleaning me again and again and again. Why? Because there are abominations in my life that have yet to be revealed that in, in, in increasing measure for the rest of my days. I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice on the altar before the Lord saying, cleanse me, cleanse me. Look around in here. See if there's any wicked way in me, right? We do know the Bible. Search me, know me. Look around in here and see if there is any wickedness in me which is synonymous with the abomination. Wickedness. See if there's any idolatry in my heart, God, because I know there is. And here's the fact, and we'll just be done for today. We must realize that a truly humble, submitted, yielded man, a Christ man, is constantly aware and unmoved and unoffended at the reality that there's still things in there that have got to go. We cannot read verses like this and assume for one second that just because we are, quote, in Jesus or in the church, that this verse is somehow not applicable to us. We have got to jump into the pot of examination. And let's go to the very, very, very first word of this verse the oracle of God coming to Ezekiel. Repent. Repent. Repent, church. Turn. Turn from your wicked, idolatrous, detestable abominations. We've got to start in the mirror. We've got to start in our own heart. The entire church age is dependent upon whether or not this church of of this age, of right now, gets this reality of the call of repentance. 
It's a word that's become so mundane, so monotonous. People yawn through a call of repentance. We yawn through it. We've been raised with altar call thinking, yeah, eh, I'm fine. Still married. I don't watch porn, well, quite as much. I don't curse like I used to. I don't drink quite as much. I don't I don't really get drunk, right? We have become callous people. We've become callous to holiness. The church who gets this, I believe, is going to be the church that's the prophesied church in Revelation, who overcomes by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. We get a testimony when we start repenting. Because then we can draw near to God with clean hands and a pure heart, and He can rightly receive us because we are truly a pleasing aroma to His nostrils. So friends, let's tend to this today. Whatever it looks like for you, I don't know. Who knows what it looks like for all of us individually. But it's got to look like something. Let's hear the word of the Lord to Ezekiel. So that we can lift up clean hands and pure hearts before our King. Listen, you've been listening to the Path to Zion podcast. You can always find us online at 24-7, pathtozion.com. Send us an email, won't you, at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if there's anything we can pray for you, encourage you, help you. If I don't have an answer to a question, I'll try to find it. And if I can't find it, I'll have someone else try to find it. Let's help one another move from where we are to where we're going. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Amen.